Sim is using as an excuse that he's not technically inclined. We all have to have a reason for this. So mine is age. I'd like you to think for a moment what it must have been like between the cross and the resurrection. The disciples probably had really not much of an idea of what was transpiring. All their hopes had been dashed. But beyond that, we have the angels that were there at the birth of Christ. And for that period of time, they didn't know exactly what God was up to. And yet they knew that God had had a plan from before the foundation of the world. Something big was about to transpire. So that period of time between the cross and the resurrection, if you will, heaven was holding its breath. What's about to happen here? The one that God had planned on sending has now died and he's in a grave. Even the angels must have been confused to know what is God really up to? Satan is on the sideline and he's watching and he's thinking that he's finally defeated God and he can take over God's place. But lo and behold, on the third day the resurrection happened. The most important thing that had ever taken place from before the world was founded has now culminated in this one moment in which God having become man and now having gone into death was suddenly raised from the dead. Truly amazing. What I would like to share with you tonight It's perhaps something that we don't often think about when it comes to the resurrection. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus is very important. But it has its implications. So why is it so important? I'm going to read to you from Romans 4, 13 through 25. The promise of Abraham would be the heir of the world was not made to him or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, 
there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for ours. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. That's the background. I just wanted to get the context in which the next two verses and the next verse comes. So Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses, and he was raised because of our justification. Young's literal translation, I think, sums it up more accurately when he says, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our being declared righteous. Many of the translations give the idea that Jesus was raised so that we might be justified. But as Sim spoke on Friday, the work was finished. Jesus said, finished. When his blood was shed, the work was finished. All he says is, finished. What was finished? Everything that God had in mind for the restitution and the redemption of mankind. Everything was finished. Everything that the believer comes into by faith in Christ was made available based on Jesus' sacrifice. We were redeemed. We were made holy, sanctified. We were able to enter into the presence of God boldly. So many things to the Christian life. The basis of everything was there at the cross. The problem, however, is until we come to Jesus Christ and receive him as our Savior, none of that is available to us. But the moment we believe and we put our faith and trust in Christ, everything that Jesus did and he says it's finished becomes ours. Our problem is sometimes we don't believe it. We look horizontally and we see that things don't seem to line up. My sins are forgiven. How come I'm still sinning? Instead of keeping our focus on Jesus Christ. 
Romans 5 and 8 and 9 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sometimes we think we've got to be good before we come. We may not say it, but in our minds we think, well, I've got to clean up my act, and then Jesus is going to receive me. No, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Until we realize that we're sinners, we never come into the enjoyment of Christianity. Much more then. Hmm. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So this comes back to Abraham. He was justified by having put his faith and trust in what God said. And that God imputed that to him as righteousness. So what is justification? Simply put, it's an acquittal. And I know I've used this illustration before, but I can't think of a better one. So if you go to a court of law and someone is charged with an offense and the sentence has been handed down and someone else comes and pays that debt, they're justified. Now under old English law, if it happens to be murder, whatever the offense is, and it was execution, it was hanging, whatever it would be, that paper with all the offenses were written on them and placed there on the day of execution. And when the law finally took its course and the execution came about, they would then stamp over that or write over that, justified. The court was now justified. The debt and the penalty had been paid. It's finished. That's why Jesus says, finished, the debt was paid. At what a cost. Do we often go back in our minds and just even imagine what it must have been like for Jesus on the cross? And then to look at ourselves and our sins that put him there. I remember hearing that message as a young boy and every time I heard it I had a knot in my throat to think that Jesus died for me. You realize that Jesus died for you. Let that sink in. Why? Because he loved you so much. He couldn't have demonstrated his love any greater than to have given his life for you. That shows how much he loves you. Why would a person not come and receive Jesus as Savior when they've been presented with such love? And when we come, the work of justification on the cross was already finished. And because that work of justification was done and the Holy God was satisfied by the sacrifice of Christ on account of the fact 
that that work had been done to prove that God accepted it, he raised Jesus. He likewise, he does the same with us. As soon as we recognize the fact that that is what we need and receive that, we're justified, we're set free. What a greater message could we have? But he says much more then. What could be much more? Not only are sins forgiven, but we're living in the here and now. There is a much more than what was done. So in the present time, because we have believed in Jesus Christ, we're justified by his blood, we're saved from wrath that's to come. There's also, in a sense, another wrath that is here in the now. God is a God of love. God is a God of wrath. One thing that sometimes we don't, get, we don't grasp is that there are consequences for sin. We're saved. Our sins are forgiven. And we sin. And we do. And we fail. And people are affected by it. But when God goes silent and he becomes distant because of our sins, not because he's changed in his love toward us. No. We're the ones that have departed. We're the ones that have failed. And the consequences of sin are still present with us. But that's where the grace of God comes in. If we'd never sinned, we'd never know what God's grace was. This is three parts. So here we have the resurrection of Jesus Christ in which he was raised because we were justified. And God says, I'm satisfied. And now that justification is available to anyone who believes. It's been done. The work of Christ is complete. It is finished. But it may not be in your life and my life until we actually make that decision to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Sometimes we don't think of this, about the believer's resurrection with Christ. And Sim's been speaking about this over the last while, is that we've been crucified with Christ, We've died with Christ, we've been buried with Christ, but we've been raised with Christ to a new life. How does this work? How does this really work? Romans 8 and 11 says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You can't have his spirit living in you if you're not saved. If you're saved and you've received the Holy Spirit, that spirit 
that Holy Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies, not some future body, through his spirit that lives within us. So resurrection is a present reality in the life of believers. I keep kidding, Sim, don't steal my message. We seem to track so closely. And Sim, I didn't realize till this afternoon that I already had this in here. But this is a little different from the Amplified version. And I like this version. So Sim spoke on this, these verses this morning. So I'm not changing any. <laughs> in fact, we're lining up. I like the Amplified version in this. Paul says, my determined purpose is, he set his mind on this, my determined purpose is that I might know him, that is Jesus Christ, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in this body. This is not future tense. Are we living in this area where we are affected by the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the point that we ourselves are actually experiencing what it is like to be raised? That means we've been taken from death. How does this happen? Well, first of all, we have to die. How do we die? We're still alive. We're in this body. What are you talking about? God, simplest way of putting it is, God placed us into Christ. Everyone? No. Only those that have come and received Christ Jesus as Savior. When we do, at that moment in time, we come into everything that Jesus Christ went through. God then places us into Christ so that when he was crucified, I was crucified. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried with him. When he was raised from the dead, I was raised with him and I receive a new life. That means my old life that was marked by sin has been replaced with a greater life. This is a much more superior life. If it was not more superior, I would be still under the, 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 the dominion and the authority of sin. It's a greater life that we have as believers. I've got to catch up to myself here. 
So Jesus says, because I live, you also shall live. What kind of life is that? There's not likely going to be one person here tonight that hasn't gone through tough times. If you haven't gone through tough times, you haven't lived long enough. It's as simple as that. So the longer you live, you've gone through a lot of tough times. But how do we go through those tough times? Do we go through those tough times realizing that when I was saved, I at the same time was raised with Christ to this new life so that I act and respond differently to life than what I ever would have done before? It's practical. There are those here that can agree with me. When you lose the nearest friend that you have in life, well, I didn't lose my wife. I know where she is. She's not lost. (laughs) But when they depart to be with Christ, Now, I'm now faced with how do I live? Many get so down and depressed and become hermits. But if we have the life of the Holy Spirit in us and we have this new life, we react based on that new life. It comes... I think you can agree, Lee, put up your hand if it's not. <laughs> we react in such a way that we have peace. We've seen the favor of God, even although we've lost the greatest friend on earth. Why? Because we've been raised and we have a new life. That life didn't die when our spouse died. We still have this life. We're now living the resurrection life. Otherwise, I for one wouldn't be able to stand up here tonight. I'd be so depressed. But because of the life of God in me, and because of my communication with God, I can live a life that's not normal to most people, especially those that are not saved. Now, we can go through these things too as believers and react as we might have done before. And if that's the case, we need to be reminded of the faithfulness of God. But we live this life. Now, we have been raised to a new life in Christ This is where the majority of our life is now. This is where things of Christianity are worked out. But we have a future resurrection. And I have said here, and ascension, on purpose. Those of you that are Bible scholars here, here's something for you to chew on. You realize that there are only three references in the Bible to those that are raised and ascend. 
There's a resurrection. For instance, what chapter? I think it's Revelation 20. Where those who did not receive the mark of the beast were beheaded. But then it says they shall live and reign with Christ for a thousand years on the earth. They were raised to live on the earth. The three references to resurrection and ascension obviously is the first one is Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, lived on the earth for 40 days, ascended into the heavens. Now, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, regarding the saints, those that are believers in Christ, the dead in Christ, and that is important, they are in Christ. We were in Christ when we first were saved. God placed us into Christ. Therefore, those that are in Christ will be raised. So the dead in Christ will rise first. We, the living who remain, shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. There's ascension. I don't want to put anybody on the spot, Lee. (laughs) But what's the third one? The third one's found in Revelation chapter 11. What's in chapter 11? Right here, the two witnesses. So the two witnesses, they die. Their bodies are in the streets for three and a half days in the streets of Jerusalem. And then they come to life and they ascend. I'm not going further on that. I'm leaving it with you to consider. All right? But what we are looking forward to is the resurrection. And I tell you, As time goes on, the more we're looking forward to it. The evil in the world is getting so bad. But I want to remind us of this. Because I think sometimes we forget this. What God really did in our lives when we were first saved. Philippians 1.6 He who has begun a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I have no idea how to complete the work that he started in me. I don't know about you. But he does. And whatever he started, he is going to complete it. Don't worry about that. The onus is on him, not on me. I don't know what to do to complete that work. He does. 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless. It's a mere delusion. 
you're still in your sins and under the control and penalty of sin. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Are we living this resurrected life? And if we are, are we looking forward to this time? How do you feel about that? Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back very soon. I wish I knew the date, but I don't. I can't share it with you. But it's got to be soon. And as every day goes by, we're saying, Lord, make it soon, you know? Or does that frighten you to death? If you're frightened to death, then you need to go back and see about your salvation. The hope of the believer is the resurrection. And what a blessing we have. My goodness, I think it's going to be even better for those of us that may be here when Jesus comes. Because we've seen, I was just talking to, I forget who it was tonight. We're seeing things now, or somebody I spoke to this morning, I never expected to see in my lifetime. Maybe it was Rob I was talking to. Yeah, I think so. That was our conversation, Rob. Um, I mean, the evil is so present and in your face today that the relief of that and the resurrection, wow, if we could look back on it, And see, we came through all of this stuff, but look at what we've got ahead of us. What a wonderful, wonderful future we have. All based on the death of Christ. We were justified. Now let me close with this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he was raised because we were justified, was a point in time This resurrection of the saints when the Lord comes for us is at the end of it. Again, we have two bookends. I spoke about once before, two bookends. Here we have two bookends. We've been saved, we've been justified, righteousness has been imputed to us. Not because of what we've done, but because of Christ. At the other end of that bookcase is the resurrection of the saints. But we are living in the in-between time. And this is where the tests come. This is the test as to whether we're going to live this resurrected life. We have the Holy Spirit. He enables us to live that Christian life and that resurrected life. But we're not going to enter into that until we make a conscious decision to live it. When it does, you can face whatever's thrown at you. We don't know what's going to be thrown at us. But if we keep in mind that we have a resurrected life, we are living it now. We are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. If we're seated in the heavenlies in Christ, I say to people, look down. Don't keep looking up. Look down. We're seated in the heavenlies in Christ. Look down. Go up in an airplane. I remember the first time I was in an airplane. 
And I'm looking down and I'm seeing these toy cars. I mean, they're just little itty bitty things. That's how we are. We're seated in Christ. When we're looking down on our problems, all of a sudden when we realize that we're with Christ and he's going through the problems with us, the problems aren't so big after all. We get overcome sometimes. I know, I've been there. But let us look forward to the resurrection. And with that in view, that helps us to...